Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. So the message today, I'm going to start off with a, with a, with a question. It's, it's, a, it's a multiple choice. What would you do if your lead pastor asked you to preach while he was on vacation? You accepted the call. You prayed about it. And the Lord gave you a scripture. You studied it. You got your notes together. And then your lead pastor got up right before he's gone on vacation and preached your message. <laughs> when Pastor Ben pulled out the scripture that he was preaching on, I was like, oh no. All these books of the Bibles, all the scripture, and he preached the exact same scripture. So what would you do? Put a couple questions on there. You preach it anyway. The Holy Spirit gave you this scripture. B, you pray for a different sermon to preach because the Holy Spirit will give you another scripture. C, you ask someone else to preach because your lead pastor is too good to follow and you can't handle change. <laughs> so what would you do? <laughs> preach it, amen. That's what my wife said. She said, preach it anyway. The Holy Spirit gave you that scripture, so I'm going to preach it. <laughs> so the title of my message is The Greatest Thing, Part 2. Okay. <laughs> so sometime I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit that convic conviction is stronger than my wife's, but she was really on it. You know? <laughs> so just speaking of that, before I get into the message, the difference between conviction and condemnation. Uh, conviction is a good thing. It's by the Holy Spirit that we are convicted, and it draws us nearer to Christ. Where condemnation is not of God, it shames us and it pushes us away from God. And the scripture that I share today, is, it may convict some of us, but it's not to condemn uh, Romans 8, 1 says, so that now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So I just pray that you would just let the scripture speak to your heart today. Uh, the theme has been love. That's what the Lord put on my heart. We sang the songs about love. Pastor Ben preached about love. Pastor Miguel shared about love. That is what the Holy Spirit is dealing with us today. And he's dealing with us for this season. So let's pray before we get into the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you for uh, convicting us, for encouraging us, for exhorting us. Oh, Father God, Lord, I pray that you have your way today and that you would touch each one's heart, Lord, by what you speak through me, Lord. I submit to you and just ask you to have your weight with us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to start by reading the scripture. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith 
that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So there'll be a little, there'll be a few things that you may have heard last week, but I'm going to just stay with what I got, and I'm going to come from a little bit of different direction from Pastor Ben. Um, just when we talk about love and talk about this scripture, it's a very popular scripture, and it's often read at, at weddings. In fact, uh, just a month ago, I gained a new daughter-in-law and, and married my son. He's not here today because he's on um, Marine Reserve duty, but um, we read the scripture. We had somebody read the scripture. And then eight months before, my other son got married, and we read that same scripture. Um, but that is not the context of this letter from Paul. That's not the same context that he, he wrote it in. We got two people getting married, and everything's good, they're in love, and it's kind of a reminder of how to treat one another, but that's not the context of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You have to read it in the context of the whole letter from Paul. Um, and when we read it, we find out without love, no matter what I do, including the exercise of the gifts, I am nothing. But before we get into that scripture, let's talk about the setting, the city of Corinth. That was a, a port city in Greece, uh, most prosperous city, actually, in, in all of Greece. A lot of commercial industry there. The merchants were there, a, kind of a cosmopolitan-type international city. I'm sure there's some cities that might come into your mind as I continue to explain this. But they had, similar to Olympic Games, so there were athletes living there. Uh, they had the rich. They had the poor. There was a large gulf between them. Uh, there were freemen. There were slaves. So there was really all kinds of people in this city. Um, 
just doing a little research, the population was probably between 100K or 600K, 600,000 people, which is at that time, that's, that's a big city. Um, but the atmosphere uh, had a very uh, sinful atmosphere. There was unashamed immorality. It was accepted there, sexual looseness, uh, lust. Um, there was no, no conviction or condemnation by anybody. It was just seen part of uh, the normal life, part of a way of nor normal life. There was idolatry going on in that city. Um, it may remind you of some cities of today. I'm not going to mention any names, but I'm sure there might be some cities going through your mind um, that are the same way today. In the, in the first century, if you talked about <clears throat> living like a Corinthian, that was kind of a saying, living like a Corinthian, everybody knew what that meant. It was a code language for indulging in a wild and unrestrained life. So how about the church? How about the church? Paul established this church on his second missionary journey. Um, he remained there longer than any other city that he was in, about a year and a half. Um, and he established that church there. And when he left, he stayed in church. He stayed in church. He stayed in touch um, through letters and, and other people visiting. And uh, the household of Chloe, if you look at 1 Corinthians 1.11 in that area, they would give Paul messages um, that from the church or what was going on in that church and uh, why he was in Ephesus. So he began to hear about these problems going on in the church. Um, that spirit that was in the city began to creep into the church. So that same spirit that I was talking about began to, to creep into the church. There were different cliques. There were people that were following uh, different leaders in the church. There was a lot of pride. Uh, there was a lot of excuse for the sexual immorality that was going on at that time. There was misuse of spiritual gifts. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, really without regard for edification of the church. There were claims of spiritual superior, superiority over one another. Somebody was like, I'm, I'm more spiritual than you, that kind of thing. Um, there was a misunderstanding of, of Christian doctrines, things that Paul had taught when he established that church they had gotten away from. <clears throat> so if you do a quick survey of the church just from this letter, um, and remember, this is a letter from Paul. It's not broken into chapters like we read in our Bible. But chapter 1 talks about divisions in the church. People were saying that they follow Paul or that they follow Apollos or that they follow Peter. You know, that would be like looking at our church today and saying, oh, you know, I follow Pastor Anthony or I follow Pastor Miguel or, 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 or you know, Pastor Michelle or Cody or Pastor, you know, it's, it's, there, were, there were those kind of factions that were going on uh, in the church which caused division, okay? Chapter 2, people were thinking that they were wise, and, and Paul explains that faith should not be in the wisdom of, of men but in the power of God. Chapter 3, there was jealousy of one another, arguing, some thinking that they were smarter than others. There, were a lot of, there was a lot of carnal behavior and people thinking mostly about themselves. 
uh, chapter 4, there was pride, a lot of pride uh, that people and the things that they do, the, even the gifts that, that God gave them, they had pride of them. And, and it's like, how can we have pride in what God has given us anyway? He's equipped us. We should give that glory to God. <clears throat> chapter 5, there was sexual immorality in the church. The same that was out in the city was coming into the church. Um, it gives an example. A man was living in sin with his stepmother. They didn't address it in the church. And then there were other sexual sins as well, as well as greed and, and idolatry there. Chapter 6, there was lawsuits amongst Christians. Christians in the church suing one another, right? Um, and, and Paul talks about either accepting injustice or get someone in the church to, to, to mediate. How, how does it look to the world when we're taking our problems out into the world and having somebody that's not a Christian mediate over that? So he's talking about that. Um, also, uh, chapter 6 gets a little more into the sexual sins of adultery, prostitution, homosexuality, thieves. talks about thieves, grease, drunk, drunkards, abusiveness, and cheats. Um, chapter 7 talks about, uh, again, sexual immorality, and it, and it gets into marriage, keeping the marriage vows, and Paul has to uh, talk about marriage. 8 is more idolatry. Um, 9 is he spoke out a little bit against the spirit of entitlement, um, how he is entitled to get paid a, as a pastor, um, but he decided not to accept that because he didn't want them to, to get caught up in that. Uh, and then chapter 12 is the misuse of the spiritual gifts. He talks about the spiritual gifts and talks about earnestly desiring these gifts, but there's a better thing because in the church they were operating those gifts, but it was only to edify themselves and not to edify the church. And then they were taking pride in the gifts that God had given them. They were taking pride in, in those gifts. So he wrote this letter, really addressing all these things, right, which is love. So let's, let's look at Matthew chapter 23, 22, verse 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Pretty much any problem that we have in the church, you can go back down to these two things, or actually any problems that we have, any relational problems that we have. Love God, love your neighbor. In fact, if you go back and look at the Ten Commandments, which all the law is based on these Ten Commandments, love God, love your neighbor, resolves each and every one of them. You must have no other God but me, love God. You should not make any graven Im images, love God. You must not take the name of our Lord God in vain, love God. 
Remember to observe the Sabbath day. Love God. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor. You must not murder. Love your neighbor. You must not commit adultery. Love your neighbor. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love God. Love your neighbor. Almost any single problem we can think of. So as we get into 1 Corinthians 13, there's a clear link between 1 Corinthians 12, which is the spiritual gifts and misuse of those spiritual gifts, and, and 1 Corinthians 13 is love because the scripture says, because even if one exercises these gifts without love, that person is nothing. Paul mentions these various spiritual gifts in chapter 12. He talks about wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And he talks about how it's one and the same spirit that distributes all these gifts. That's a good thing. We're all parts of the body. Everybody has a role in the church. You know, as a, we're, we had this outreach and we had people with different gifts and you can just see people operating in their gifts from just, you know, talking to people, loving on people versus um, serving. And you, and you can just see people operating in their gifts, leadership, all these gifts. Um, he also talks about the positions in the church in, the, in, the, in, in chapter 12 whether it's apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healings, helps, so on. But he still says, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, earnestly desire the best gifts, but yet I show you a more excellent way. So we're operating in these gifts, and we should desire these gifts, but if we're operating in these gifts without love, Scripture says we are nothing. Let's put uh, back up 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read 1 to 3 again. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains. Think about that. Think about that statement. <laughs> the gift of prophecy, I understand all of God's secret plans. I have all knowledge, and I have the faith to move mountains, but didn't love others. I would be nothing. I read something as I was studying this that you can move mountains, but you might just drop that mountain right in front of somebody or on their head or something, right? <laughs> So just move the mountains. If you have not love, you know, where are you going to move that mountain to, right? If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So note the I. Let's leave that up a minute. Let's just note the I. So we have, we have, these, we have these gifts. We're donating to the poor. We're doing all these things. But if we don't have love, he says, I have nothing. Or I'm just a noisy gong or a noisy symbol. Doesn't really, 
he doesn't really talk about who, you're, who, who the other people are. He points it back at them. If I have these things, I have nothing if I don't have love. So why is that? Why is that? If we're given to the poor, doing all these things physically, I think the poor would benefit from these gifts, right? If we're, if we're prophesying on someone and it's the word of God, um, it should benefit from that. But if we're doing it without love, we're nothing. It's just noise. Why is that? I had to think about that because love is of the heart. It is not intellectual. It's a heart change, and that heart change is required for our spiritual growth. And I, again, I relate, since we just had this outreach, what we're doing there is trying to love on people. The object was not to feed them hot dogs. In fact, some people will say, since we're feeding them hot dogs, we might not love them. I don't know. It's hot dogs. <laughs> okay. But the object is not just to you know, give them some food and some chips and some water and send them on their way. That is not, that's not the goal. The goal is to love on them, to find out what their needs are, where we can help them. How do we point them to Christ, which is, which is the ultimate goal, right? So if we're doing all these things without love, without love, from the heart, with the goal of seeing them come to Christ, then it's nothing. It's just a bag of chips. I believe that love solves all the problems in the church, as I said before. 1 Peter 4.8 says, most important of all. Oh, let me finish that because I got that. I believe love solves all the problems in the church, love of God and love for one another. 1 Peter 4.8, most important of all. Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. That's why Paul's writing the letter. He's addressing the sinful nature of the church, but he knows that love covers a multitude of sins. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives us sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. See, love is perfect. It's perfect. We have to, lo we have to love the, the unlovable, right? God loves everybody regardless of of where we come from, of who we are, of what sin we, we have been in. Um, and that's what he wants for us. That's why he says, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is imperfect. It, start, it really starts with love. 
love of God, and love for our neighbor. In 1 Corinthians 13, 9, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 9, that's a description of agape love, and we've, we've heard that. I'm going to share the, the same definition that Pastor Ben shared. Agape love is, I think we have this, yeah, is unconcerned with self and concerned with the greatest good of another. Agape isn't born out of emotions, feelings, familiarity, or attraction, but from the will as a choice. Agape requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. So it's a, it's a selflessness that we love and put others above ourselves. Remember, in all cases, true Christian love is about setting aside one's self for the good of others. So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 13, and let me show you how by applying the characteristics of love against the problems in the church of Corinth, it works. So what is love? And I don't, I don't think I necessarily put them in the order here. I tried to group some things together. Uh, love is, is patient and kind. Um, these Christians in the church, where they were like having disputes and they were having lawsuits against each other. Probably wasn't displaying patience and kindness. When I think of, when I think of kindness, I think of um, really in our, in our words, the words that come out of our mouth. You know, the scripture says a soft answer turns away wrath. How are we speaking to one another? How are we speaking to one another when we're not patient, right? And we can snap. I've snapped <laughs> many times, you know, but because of unpatience, unpatient, being not patient. And kindness, kindness. It starts with the words that come out of, out of our mouth, I believe. Uh, not jealous. The church we talked about, there were divisions in the church, right? People were following certain people in the church, and there were starting to be uh, divisions because maybe, um, they, they, in this case, maybe they liked one of the leaders more than another leader, and, and where they were getting jealous because one leader is hanging out with maybe one or, or, or mentoring one versus not mentoring another, or whatever, whatever it may be, there were, there were jealous, jealousy, divisions in the church, right? Jealous against each other. Uh, we have to watch that, too, in our society. We, we need to be happy for one another, not, not get jealous because of certain things that, that they might have or certain positions that they may have in the church. Um, God has called us all to, um, to, the, to this church. Let's just talk about this church. And he's put, he's put you in a position uh, to use your gifts. I think Pastor Ben and Kathy are, Kathy are great, Katie are great about putting people in positions where they can utilize their gifts and letting them run with it. Don't be jealous. God has a place for you as well. Not boastful, not proud. I'm grouping these together. Doesn't demand his own way and not arrogant. Okay. Anything we have is a gift from God. If we keep that perspective, then we can't boast in what we're doing because it's God who gave us those gifts, right? So when that become, gets in the church, 
then it's because we're not keeping our eyes on Jesus. Love God, love your neighbor. Okay? We're not boastful, we're not proud, we give we give glory to God. We, give, we compliment others for the great jobs that they're doing. We encourage one another. We're happy for, for people when they are doing well or something goes good for them. That's how the church prospers, right? Not boastful, not proud, don't demand your own way, not arrogant. We don't get our own way. <laughs> the church, we have a lot of people. Somebody's going to be upset if things don't go the way they wanted it to. But if we're putting others before ourselves for the good of the whole body, for the good of the church, we're not going to worry about that. Not irritable, not rude. Put those two together. Not irritable or rude. It's tough. It's tough not to get irritable. <laughs> it kind of goes back to not getting our own way, right? That's where the irritation comes back comes from. But not rude. Um, Paul talks about um, the marriage and having issues in, in marriage and, and giving, um, you know, counsel counsel for marriage. It starts there. Not irritable. Not rude. You know, again, not demanding their own way. You know, seeking the good of others. Same thing in the church. Same thing in the church. Um, keeps no record of wrong. Well, that's a good one. Ever been in an argument and somebody brings up something that happened like 10 years ago? <laughs> Thought I got forgiven for that already. <laughs> yeah, we're not keeping records of wrong because it happened back then, whatever. Let it go. God has forgiven us because of the wrongs that we committed in our life. He's forgiven us, right? We can't keep records of wrong. We got to keep moving forward. We got to encourage one another, right? Do not rejoice in injustice. Yeah, I, I go back to the lawsuits and things there, but, you know, sometime when we have something against our enemy and they're, uh, we might rejoice. We might rejoice in an injustice that happened to them. Right? We don't rejoice in injustice. We still want the good. I already read the scripture about praying for our enemies. So we shouldn't rejoice in their injustice. And then rejoice in truth. Rejoice in truth. We have, as Christians, we have the truth, the word of God. And we have to love on others, but we have to remain true to God's word. We can't be afraid to confront sinful behavior, including sexual immorality, um, because we know that that's against God's word. So we should, by loving on our neighbors, on our brothers and sisters, we should be able to have a conversation with the truth and love, right? So love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, and endures through every circumstances. This is about not quitting having faith in what God's purpose is for us as a church. Um, some things may not always go right, but we're enduring through the circumstances. You know, I think about this, what's going on in our yard here and all the, the praise God for Gus and Evelyn, your crew. It's awesome what you guys are doing, praying for you. In fact, let's give it up for them. They're working hard. Amen. Amen. 
So it's a little inconvenient for us, right? Come through the back, walk over the wood, get in here. But, hey, everybody here is faithful and endure. We just endure. You know, that, to me, that's, that's not even, that's like a no-brainer. But there's things in our life, right, that are circumstances, you know, in our, in our church, in our families, in our marriages, that things don't always go right. But if we have uh, been persecuted, purposeful, and if we look at the scripture, we can endure through those things and get, and get through those things. And I'm not talking about abusive relationships or, or things that, that obviously you, you can't deal with, but I'm talking about the daily circumstances, the daily hardships that we go through. Um, we never give up, don't lose faith, always hopeful, and endure through every circumstance. All right, let's have the worship team come up a minute. We're going to do something here a minute. So we can take this scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 9, and we can put Jesus' name in the place of love. Let's do that. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Jesus does not demand his own way. Jesus is not irritable and keeps no record of being wrong. Jesus does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Jesus never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now what if I put myself out there and I put my name up and I go, Anthony is patient and kind. Man, I probably fall short there. Anthony is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. I, I can be rude, I, I get it. I can be proud. Anthony does not demand his own way. I probably asked my family about that. <laughs> Anthony is not irritable and keeps no record of being wrong. Anthony does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Anthony never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful my spot endures to the end something like that endures now I want you to put your name in place of love or let's put an I let's put an I there we have it right here I want you to take a few minutes and read through that and put I in that spot do we all fall short we have work to do I know I do we all have work to do there 
Take this scripture whenever you're irritable and just examine yourself against it. It all goes back to love God, love your neighbor. First thing we need to do if we're having relationship problems, whether it's in the church or it's in the home or it's at work or your neighborhood or wherever it is, check your relationship with God. Get that right, and then work on your relationship with one another. It will automatically get better. Put that eye in there. It will get better. The scripture says that love endures forever. Love is going to outlast all the spiritual gifts. Speaking in tongues, the prophecy, the miracles, love is going to outlast that because when we're with Jesus, we won't need tongues, we won't need prophecy, we won't need miracles, but we'll be walking in love. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these are love. So I'd like to take this time as we as we just think about that we'll just leave this up there um i know we've all fallen short and as i mentioned before that god's word convicts but it doesn't condemn the conviction draws us nearer to him it it allows us to look at our behavior and make corrections. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us do that. The condemnation is not of the Lord. That comes from other people. It comes from Satan. Because God doesn't condemn. He's already forgiven us of all of our sins. We're righteous in his eyes. But if you have an area that you just think and you want prayer for, I like to you know, ask the pastors or small group leaders, prayer team, anybody to, to come up here. And we, we want to pray. We want to pray for, first, if you don't know, if you don't know the Lord, then you can't walk in love. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you cannot walk in love. It's not this kind of love, not this copy love. We all need the Holy Spirit to help us here. So if you haven't received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I ask you to come up. I'll be down here as well. If you just want pray, prayer for an area that you know you've fallen short in, we want, we want to do that as well. Uh, we'll leave this open, and uh, everybody can be dismissed as we have others up here to pray. I don't have any, any more announcements, but we just want to take some time just to pray because this is the key. Love is the key for all of our relationships. It's the answer.